So have yourself. You just can't help it, right? <laughs> That's the part we were singing a few minutes ago, make a holy, raise a holy sound to the Lord. So when we're praising God, it's always a holy sound, even though I can't sing. And if you can't sing, just know it's a holy sound. Well, good morning. I got called into work this morning. It was my week off. Graham, uh, Graham Wilson said, you, you got called in this morning. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not, uh, I'm not unhappy about that. I'm really happy uh, to be here. I'd rather be sitting there listening to Pastor Caleb. Uh, he is an amazing communicator with a great anointing for the word. And uh, we are trying to reschedule. So uh, he did ask for prayer. We prayed for him this morning. He's got some kind of a weird infection in one eye that moved into both eyes. Some respiratory stuff going on. And I was going to say, maybe if you had a little more faith, you know, maybe you wouldn't. But I didn't do that. And uh, I am prepared this morning uh, because um, typically when I have a guest speaker, we have a guest speaker come, I, for me, in that sense of having the week off, um, I try to do some administrative work and project and look forward. And, um, but I felt like um, I really wanted to get the Christmas series uh, started and I was able to get, um, this is Advent next week, is the first week of Advent. And, uh, and so the, uh, talk about Advent in a second. So today's the first week of Advent uh, because I finished that message and it's ready to go. And we're just going to believe that uh, somebody, whoever's fault it is this morning, that you need to be blessed by this word. Uh, this is for you this morning. Say it's for me. All right, we're going to pretend this is the first Sunday of Advent. I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Heart of the Family, Daycare. They worked really hard to put a, a, a wonderful float in the parade yesterday and won first prize for, uh, for the not-for-profit section. So big shout out. How many went to the parade? Yeah, a bunch. Wasn't it cold, like damp and cold? And isn't that weird because... It'll be minus 20-something uh, not too long from now, and we'll, we'll acclimatize to that. And then closer to spring, it will be zero degrees, and we won't wear a jacket. We'll just go out in a T-shirt and go, oh, it's so warm. But it's exactly the same temperature. What is that, right? And it's a, it just it, We acclimatize. Uh, we get, our bodies get, get used to that. So I'd like to uh, start today, um, our Advent, uh, our Advent uh, series. And what would happen if you have a traditional church background, you might know uh, how that works, that each Sunday leading up, four Sundays leading up to Christmas form the Advent season. And Advent simply means that we're waiting for something or waiting for someone of significance. And of course, the Advent um, looks back at the centuries that God's people were waiting for the promised Messiah, the Savior that would come, who is Christ the Lord. Um, and they, until it happened, they weren't really aware of uh, what this promise was and how it would how it would trans, uh, transpire. And so we, this first uh, Sunday next week, uh, would be the candle of hope, or the prophecy candle uh, would be lit. And uh, we'll go through, then it's the candle uh, of uh, love and of joy and of peace. We'll go through and follow those Advent themes throughout the weeks as we lead up to our Christmas Eve service, which we're really looking forward to, and hope you'll bring a friend or five or ten. Uh, it's just always a great time to be together for Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Today's we light the hope candle. Someone's heart needs to have that hope ignited today somebody watching online today, just that, that hope that it can be different, that it will be different, that something's going to change. Father, we just pray right now that you would literally uh, burn the candle of hope into hearts today that desperately need it, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Yeah, so Christmas, uh, our Christmas is marked by the coming of the Messiah, Jesus himself born in the manger in Bethlehem, and but for centuries, People had been waiting for that promise uh, to manifest, to come into being. And so we begin in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 1, uh, and I always hear Linus's voice when I read this. Uh, I can't help it. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. <laughs> that sounds like Kermit the Frog, Roy. That doesn't sound like Linus at all. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
And I want to key in right now uh, on that phrase, in those days, in those days. What days are you living in today? What days were they living? What was, Luke loads the phrase, in those days. <laughs> he loads it, and it's part of his historical, he wants us to have a context and an understanding so that we can appreciate the significance uh, as we lead up to the story of what those days were like. Caesar Augustus was ruling the Roman Empire, the then known world that the Roman Empire was overseeing, and Jerusalem, the region, was under that rule. And this particular Caesar, he's the very first Caesar that gives himself the designation, I'm a God. He doesn't just act like God, what some politicians and world leaders do. Um, he's not just trying to act like God, he's saying he is a God and begins to wield his will and wield his strength, wield his control any way he possibly can and wants to. It was brutal. He would put people to death just because he could. Men, women, children and babies under his rule put to death. The Jews were under Roman oppression. There was social unrest political unrest. There were division between parties and people groups. Uh, the Jews, the Romans, uh, uh, all different people groups. There were divisions and there were shortages of food and basic life was incredibly difficult. Doesn't it sound like those days are a little bit like these days? There's some similarities in there. Spiritually, the people of God have been waiting centuries for Messiah to come and it seemed like he was never going to come. Throughout the Old Testament, prophets would still give words that would become glimmers of hope that God still intended to keep his promise. But in those days that we're reading about, it had been 400 years since the last, uh, it, that there had been any word from heaven, that any prophet had spoken, that any holy writ had been written. And so many were leaving the faith. Many of the Jewish people were beginning to abandon their faith. They had lost hope that the world had become hopeless. We do that, don't we? When we can't see the end of the story, we can't see where our journey is going, and it's, if it's presently in a difficult or a dark place, we often begin rehearsing all that's going on. And, and, and I mean, I think that's typical of human nature, but it's not healthy. It's not, it's not always a positive thing. If you go to the grocery store and buy a pound of butter right now, um, you, you can hear people talking about, it's never been this expensive, never paid this kind of money for gas. We've never, and they just start, they just start rehearsing and going over it. And this is the worst. It's never been this bad. And it, it, the, the glimmer of hope begins to go out. Because in people's hearts, they are sure this is the end of the world. This is it. This is the end. It's not going to get better. Those days sound a lot like these days. The social unrest, political unrest, shortages, wars. I mean, just listening to some of the reports of what Putin might really be up to in the Ukraine and how uh, he's, he's positioning himself for world power again. And yeah, as we look at some of these realities, some of the dark days that we live in, it would be easy to lose sight of a God who sits on his throne, his sovereign this morning, that knows exactly the timetable. And as we get ready to have our Advent calendars for our kids, and, and Aaron uh, graciously uh, gave me his, it's not open yet, of course, but he let me uh, have it today because I wanted it for an object lesson. And uh, Aaron, we left it on the kitchen table this morning. You were supposed to remind me. And uh, and I don't think he really wanted me to bring it. And uh, his is a fidget, a fidget, uh, so it's all fidget toys leading up uh, to Christmas. And unlike the Advent calendar that has a destination that you can work toward, you know, it would almost be easier if life had an end date of if you can just make it to here and the door opens and the promise of Christmas is there and everything will be great. But life doesn't work that way. And this morning, part of what we want to talk about is we light the hope candles to understand that we don't put hope in the present position of our journey. 
or where we are in the Advent calendar working toward God's promise because there isn't one. But we put our hope today in God who sits on his throne, who is all-powerful, knows the beginning from the end, is the Alpha and the Omega. We put faith and hope in the person today, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who is all involved in our life and is there to stand and walk with us as we're on this journey. Not putting hope in the place that we stand today because that's going to change. And it doesn't matter how dark the world is. In those days, Luke is trying to give us a context. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Thank you, Luke, for being so precise in your context of history. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And when he went to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child, or in most translations, she was uh, large with child. <laughs> she was moments away from having the baby. As we read this portion of the Christmas story, uh, we know it, we rehearse it, we go over it each year. And why I felt like uh, that we would, and I think this is my very first time in 20 years of doing Christmas at Harvest, that I've done the Advent calendar uh, in that sense, traditionally. And, uh, and I think it's good because in its truest sense, the tradition of Advent uh, walks through and it helps us understand uh, the significance of the promise of God in bringing Jesus, but applying that to our lives, which was the whole point of traditional Advent, not just going through the motions of uh, some kind of a traditional religious rite, but, but understanding the power and the story behind it. And so as we do that, uh, this morning um, and, and a week early, thank you, Pastor Caleb, um, that we, we want to jump, we know the story, we hear the story, and we want to jump to Jesus in the manger, the shepherds out watching their flocks by night, and, and the glory of the Lord shining, and uh, we three kings of Orion are, uh, we want to get right there. But there, and that's our human nature, there is the promise. There is the, the turn in the journey. There is the God unveiling and revealing his will. But we're not there yet. Say, not there yet. We don't have it day 25 on the Advent. And what those of old wanted us to understand as we read this story, that uh, uh, Joseph and Mary not really even, even though angels had communicated to them, I'm not sure that they even fully appreciated what was going to happen in those days. Let's just talk about Joseph for a minute because he's just trying to keep his head above water. He, some months before, as Mary uh, starts to, uh, there's an understanding that she's pregnant, and he receives that news, and the child's not his. Oh, yeah, right. It's the angel said it's God's baby, the Holy Spirit, and biology class never explained that one to me. And you got to know that Joseph's still processing that as he's watching her and he's knowing that that's not his baby. And yet, being a just man, as the Bible says, didn't divorce her because his assumption was that uh, uh, somehow she had been unfaithful or, or, or something had taken place and, and he was just quietly going to not make a big deal about it, but that's not my baby. I'm not going to uh, take responsibility for another man's baby. But he's processing it. And so we jump again to the end of the story. Oh, Joseph knows the angels told him, don't worry about it, Joseph. No, he's still freaking out. <laughs> he's still freaking out. When was the last time, if you had an angel, I mean, an, an angelic visitation would be freaky in and of itself. He doesn't understand. He doesn't have a context for the information. Though God has given it to him, he doesn't have a context for it. He's processing this is not my child. He's trying to keep his head above water. And then all of a sudden, the government puts out a memo, and everybody gets a letter in the mail, however that worked in those days, 
that there's a government mandate. Say government mandate. We get uncomfortable when the government mandates. And this government, uh, the Jews, uh, you know, they, is both in the New Testament and historically very oppressive, very up in your business. You want to talk about civil liberties, there, there weren't any. Um, and they're trying to exist as a people group that trusts God as ultimate authority. And Caesar's, you want to talk about overstepping bounds? And there's a mandate that they have to go and be registered. They want a census. They want an accurate understanding of who's in the region. How big is the Roman Empire after all? That's what proud world leaders do. Just what we need, another government mandate. So Joseph, trying to process this, um, he was a carpenter trying to get his carpentry business up and going. And so now he has to take time off of work. He's not going to get paid for that. If he's not making stuff in the carpentry shop, he's not getting paid for time off because of the mess of what he's living in. He's got to figure it out. How do I get, we both have to go because I'm engaged. Uh, we've got to get there. Um, man, I'm going to have to take time off. And, and so they, they head out. They head out. And I want you to realize, so Mary, Mary is um, with child, and we're going to put her on a donkey, um, and we're going to go on a 90-mile walk from here to Kingston. Just, just get it this morning. Just, just put yourself, you, you just realize, like, it's not, an incon it's not an inconvenience. This is not an inconvenience. This is life-changing. I have to get my almost ready-to-deliver wife to the place that we have to go because the government says we have to do this. There's no way out of this. We've all got to do this. Everybody has to do this, us included. Get on the donkey, and we're going to walk 90 miles. And as we read the scriptures, it says they went up from Galilee. Up from Galilee. Well, that's not geographically up. That's terrain up. It's 2,500 feet above the elevation. This is hill country. This is difficult. This is not the 401. This is backcountry paths. They're walking from here to Kingston on foot. And Joseph's trying to avoid the potholes. And I want you to realize, we're just, I'm just kind of keen in on Joseph this morning. He's processing. It's a long walk. And every pothole, every time the donkey moves a little bit, Mary's like, ah! <laughs> and I'm not picking on, I, my wife, Christina, was a champ with kids. But us guys just don't truly understand at all. I'll admit that. But as it's getting closer to the end, yes, we are super aware that you're uncomfortable because it's just communicated all the time. I'm uncomfortable. I can't sit. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't ride in the car. Oh! And we don't know how to have sympathy, ladies, so we're really sorry. And I apologize for all of the ladies that are so offended with me right now. Just trying to make a little bit light. I'm just trying, as he's walking along, going, oh, Mary, I know. I, don't, I can't help it. I'm sorry. I didn't do this to you. And, and And what else would you do? As you're walking 90 miles, being reminded that this is awful, this is difficult, this is hard, and you're processing it. What are you thinking about? I'll tell you what you're thinking about. Man, my life sucks right now. It's what you're thinking about. Why now do we have to go to Bethlehem? Why is my life like this right now? This is not the way I thought life would go. By now, I thought the carpentry shop would be up and running, and, 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 and I would be able to be, have that money aside because we were getting married, and I was going to build the house, and everything would be ready, and, and, and that's, that's nothing like it looks like now, and now I've got to figure out, 
God's son? I don't even know what that means. An illegitimate child? I, I don't know. But life doesn't look like it was supposed to. My dream has been delayed. There's been one disappointment after another. And now we're on this detour to Bethlehem. Where is my life going? This is what he's thinking about. For 90 miles in the days that they're trying to get there, we're not even at the end yet where there's no room. Derailed dreams, disappointments, and detours. I think that could be a lot of people in this room this morning. I think those that are watching online this morning could say, I've known derailed dreams, disappointments, and detours. I should have been married by now. I should have had children by now. Everybody else, everybody else is farther ahead in life than me. Everybody else seems to have their life on a journey pathway that looks so great. And of course, social media just accentuates that, like putting a magnifying glass around it. Look at me when life is great. While meantime, in the privacy and in the moments where it doesn't look so great, we would look at our own lives and go, by now I should have. By now, it should have been. I, 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 if I hadn't had that setback, if we hadn't had that happen to us, we'd be in a different place by now. And I just want to ask the question, so what detour are you on this morning? What 90-mile, difficult, uncomfortable journey are you on this morning, as we're talking about the Advent calendar or the Advent ca candle of hope. And what I want you to see is that disappointments, delayed dreams, and detours are exactly the ingredients that God used to birth the greatest promise that ever was. As we light the hope candle, candle in our own hearts today or reignite or trim the wicket leaf so it'll burn brightly in this season. That those are the exact ingredients that God says, in the darkest hour, I will light the candle of hope. In the darkest place, I will appear to you. And though we don't have the Advent calendar to know when that is, what we do is put our hope in a God that is too kind to be cruel, that he's too good to be bad, that he's too kind to somehow be some disciplinarian in the sky, but instead knows exactly that where you are on your 90-mile walk in your journey that you're considering today, and he's going, it's exactly what I've been waiting for. Exactly what I've been waiting for. When we were getting ready uh, to launch out and plant harvest, we actually delayed the, the planting by a year. There were some things going on in Christina in my uh, personal life, and uh, and I'm just so thankful that uh, one of those was just in our marriage uh, and in our in our relationship that uh, I hadn't done a really good job communicating uh, the timeline and how it was going to literally change our lives. Christina loved upstate New York, and as things were uh, leading into a direction, um, she was like, "You want to go where?" And you want to do what? And, uh, and so we were working through that. And, and I love that um, just our leadership structure at that time just said wisdom is, let's wait another year. And, uh, and so there was uh, anticipation growing in my heart, and God began to just settle things uh, with Christina, and, and we, were, we were just doing what we felt God was directing us to do and getting ready to establish, uh, to, to launch Harvest Christian Fel uh, Fellowship. And the, uh, about a year before, uh, the new, the next year now, we moved it up, we're getting ready. We've got a launch team. We've got people that we're meeting with here in the city. Uh, I had rented some space downtown in what's now the Welsh building on 2nd Street. Uh, and the lower level, we had office space and some presents. Uh, and uh, we're, getting, we're getting ready. And so um, no public service yet. Uh, we're just working toward that launch date, but getting things ready behind the scenes. And I really felt like we were to have a building, a place of our own, right from the beginning. And so we were looking for some uh, space to do that. And um, 
and we found uh, a spot downtown, the uh, old, some of you that have been around Cornwall, the Maximum Fitness, and if you've been around longer than that, before that, it was the Palace Theater. And so it had historic significance here in the city, and I just felt, I was all over that building. It was just like, that's gonna be our building, and we'll, we'll be there until we outgrow it, and then we'll keep it uh, to do some downtown outreach, because we knew right from the beginning that we were to somehow have a, a social aspect to what we were doing and be a blessing to our city. And so um, we put a purchase offer in on that building. It was accepted, and uh, I was very, very excited. And so the owner of the building got tired of my phone calls. Can I go in again? Because I just want to figure out how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. He just gave me the keys. Um, we didn't own it yet. Uh, that was a risk for him. He's just like, leave me alone, and you can go in it whenever you want. I mean, every day at lunch, I was just, it was just around the corner from the Welsh building. I was in there, and I would, I would pray, and I, I would dream about what it was going to look like, and we were going we to launch. We are going to be one of the first churches to, to launch in its own building. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, it was just so exciting. And if you knew that building, the squash courts were down uh, where the, uh, the old kind of theater section was. Many, there had been so many renovations in that building. And I was looking at how to undo them and how to open up the theater space again. But we would, we would meet down on the, 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 the hardwood floors were beautiful and the squash areas. And uh, upstairs would be kids' church. And, and I would walk through that and, and, and just dream about it. Well, in between waiting for, uh, there was some hangups because there were back taxes owed on the building. And so we couldn't close on the building because of that. And so we were in this wait time, and I'm in dream time. And uh, I'm thinking about how great the journey is, how awesome this journey is. We're, we're, we're off like, like, it couldn't be better than this. we got an amazing mother church, and, and uh, they guaranteed uh, our salary for a year uh, for that first year, and, which was so generous, and everything was in place. In November, one year ago last night, one year ago, or excuse me, 20, 21 years ago last night, not one year ago, 2002, last night, was the coldest November uh, probably on record, and it went down to uh, minus 14 degrees uh, with a wind chill, and there was no heat in the building we were purchasing, and it froze up solid. And uh, I went in it a couple days later, and the burst pipes were just spraying water everywhere. The beautiful hardwood floors where we were going to have, and I had pictured praying over people and prophesying over people, and, and, and just all of, you know, where I would preach and where the worship team would be and where the speakers would be hanging and all of those kinds of things. And the hardwood floor was heaved up literally a foot and a half on top of ice, um, the heating system completely destroyed because it was a hot water heating system. Um, the uh, smell of mold already starting to grow a few days uh, after, damp and awful, and, and I'm standing there, and obviously the deal fell through. The deal fell through. I'm like, man, I still want to, we still want to launch the church in March. This was November, December. We get through Christmas, uh, February, so our March uh, launch date, and I'm scrambling to find a, a facility, and the um, Emmanuel Christian Reformed Church on Pitt Street, uh, there was just, uh, just kind of a divine connection, and, um, and Pastor Herb said, we will rent you our facility, but um, I said, we'd love to have it on a Sunday. And he said, uh, well, Sunday at 2.30 would be available. Oh, Sunday at 2.30 would be available. Great. Because in the church planting handbook, it says, the very worst possible time to plant a church is Sunday at 2.30 in the afternoon. And so we didn't grow a lick um, in, uh, in those nine months. But what I didn't realize was, um, that the group that was attending the Messina Church and now we would launch with, we had been in small groups all across the city of Cornwall, but we didn't have a corporate identity. Uh, we had a small group identity in, in five or six small groups throughout Cornwall, and we were a part of a church that was a mother church, but not our church. And so in those nine months, it was almost like we were gestating and, and discovering, our, um, discovering our corporate purpose. 
And then um, the Rosalie Van Public School opened up, which public schools don't open their spaces to churches. That, that day is really um, long gone. Most church plants now happen in movie theaters uh, because, you, you know, you'll, and you pay for schools too, but the schools don't want, because of the political ramifications that go with it, they don't want having churches meeting in their facilities. Uh, but uh, we were given grace and favor, and um, Rose DeVant, that, that, that translates, and I know I'm sorry, Francophones, that I'm so butchering that, um, but it translates compass. It, it translates compass. And that, those next nine months would be our compass months. And God would begin to show me and show us that he was directing us, and uh, only two or three months there, um, this building became available. And, and just a quick story of that was I had the opportunity to meet with the former bishop. He's still a bishop, Paul-Andre de Roche, but former bishop to Cornwall, have dinner with him at a, fr- a mutual friend's house here in Cornwall. And as we were eating, um, I said, I really would like, to, they had three, three buildings that they were advertising that were going to be for sale. And I really want the one on 12th Street. And that's the one for us. And he goes, I'm sorry, that's the one for us because we're going to turn that into a kind of a cultural center. Um, And uh, the other one was too small uh, already for us. And this one was too big. And I always said it was like three bears. There's mama bear, papa bear. And this one, no, that one's too too this. And that one's not, not, and this one, just right. And it was like God wouldn't even give me the just right. And I was having an attitude about it. And so we walked through this building that needed so much work, and I was just overwhelmed by its just size. And, um, and, and so as it would be, that, that that detour would be in our, in our, by our second year, which is really unprecedented, that we would purchase this facility, and then that would open the door for us to purchase the facility next door. And God would establish his will and establish his promise and when I stood on the other side and looked back over the prophetic words that we'd received, I went, oh, my goodness. Now it makes sense. Say, now it makes sense. It always makes sense on door 25 when you open it. But it doesn't make sense when you're in the journey. Somebody's on a detour. I want you to know today that your detour is actually your road to destiny. Isaiah 7, 14 said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. She shall call his name Emmanuel. Joseph, it is my son, and I've known all along. 700 years before Joseph is walking that detour, God knew. And he knew from eternity past. But you, Bethlehem, Micah 5, 2, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come uh, for me one, uh, one who will be ruler of Israel. You see, it wasn't a detour at all. Bethlehem wasn't a government mandate at all. Bethlehem was in the heart of God. He was setting the stage for the greatest reveal of promise that mankind has ever seen. Your detour today is actually your journey into the destiny that God has for you. The promise is actually going to be birthed in the very ingredients of the road that we look at and go, it doesn't make sense. And God goes, I know, but it's exactly the place that I want to reveal my promise to you. I don't care what setback you've had. It, it, it didn't cost you. You're not in plan B. Someone's here today going, it's fine. It's all right. I dealt with that years ago. I'm in plan B. No, you're in God's plan A because he knew the beginning from the end. And God's plan A is the best plan of all. The child wasn't Joseph's. But Bethlehem, this wasn't a delay. This wasn't one more disappointment. It was actually the promise, the place of the promise incubating. Maybe today you're not on a detour at all. Maybe you're on your road to destiny. God is setting the stage for you to receive your promise. And I'm praying today by the Holy Spirit that your hope is not in the journey where you are. Your hope is the one who holds, listen now, the compass. Your rose de vin. Your compass of how to get to the promise, to door 25, and hold the promise of God.
Isaiah 45, verse 3, we sang a moment ago, I speak Jesus. I don't know what we're going to sing here, but we are going to sing that. Oh, that's good. That'll work. Because as we do it today, and I'm going to remain right here, and I, I'm just going to believe online and in this room, as we speak Isaiah 45, verse 3, the Lord speaking, I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches, and you will know that I am doing this. I, the Lord God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. Every person standing in this room, just focus in on what's happening right now. Keep your eyes closed. So many of us here at Harvest have discovered, just let's all stand together right now. Keep your eyes closed. Just stay in the moment. There are so many of us here at Harvest that have along the journey because of longevity and because of serving the Lord and we've had the privilege of walking with him. Know that, that, that this is how God works. And hope grows as we share our stories. It grows in my heart this morning as I rehearse that and thank you for allowing me to rehearse our corporate story. Some know it. You've allowed me the grace and some are hearing it for the first time of how God appears in the darkest hour only to bring his presence in a way we never expected. To bring a glimmer of hope and a prophetic word that reminds us. I text a very good friend of mine this morning whose marriage came to an end after 30 some years. Took his life on a detour. He's an amazing, he's an amazing church leader. And that detour took his life into a direction now three or four years after that marriage has stopped to be. And I felt this word percolating in my heart and in the same way we're gonna do, I, I just simply texted over him and said, your detour is your destiny. And I don't know what's ahead, but I know there's a door 25. I know that God is unveiling Moments went by and minutes went by and then he responded back and said, I have no words except tears. Just as his heart was, hope was lit in his heart that God still knows his name. And I don't know what maybe has happened in your life that you don't think God even knows your name. He's saying today, I know your name. I know where you are. I know what mile marker you're on in the journey. It's not a detour. You're in the exact place. It is dark but I have hidden secret riches for you. First Peter says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Peter was erupting into worship and praise, why he said in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. When we got born again, it was a living hope because Jesus is what we put our hope in today. God's plan is what we put our hope in today through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Whatever might feel dead in your life right now, through the living hope of Jesus, the whole Christmas story starts with delay, disappointment, and detour, and then concludes with the greatest hope the world has ever known. As we sing this today, my prayer for you is that the Advent can candle of hope will be lit in your heart. Let's sing this. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. For my family, I speak the holy name. 
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Destiny. I know you're not staying there. You're moving through to the presence. promise of God. I speak Jesus. Jesus. Jesus into every heart right now. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Healing and hope. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Your name. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Let's shout Jesus from the streets. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in Jesus. the streets. Come on, lift your voices this Jesus morning. Jesus in yes, the darkness over every enemy. We have living hope today. Jesus, for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus. Yeah. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Come on, somebody. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Yeah, come on. Jesus in the streets. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Jesus in the hope. darkness hope is over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus. Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Amen, amen. Jesus yes, in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus. <laughs> I want to specifically pray. I for one group of people this morning. I wasn't going to share the story of the friend that I reached out to this morning. But just as I were singing this, I just feel like that that's somebody else's story today, that a failed marriage, whether it was years ago, or whether it's happened recently, or it's happening. There's so much pain around that. As you've considered the death of that relationship, of how that either was a setback, is a setback, or is going to be a setback. But I just sense God wanting to bring comfort today and reassurance. Life happens. What we end up by doing is trying to figure out who's to blame. and Because we, we focus on how this has changed our lives so dramatically, changed the children's lives so dramatically for some maybe years now your grandchildren but what if what if this were the year that you could be free from the guilt free from whatever even whatever well-meaning church leaders but this is such a sensitive issue because divorce and remarriage has and, and or perhaps divorce and you stop there has not been understood by the church at all we didn't know where to put it. We didn't know how to deal with it. And it cre has created so much pain. Someone online today, someone in the room. And on behalf of church, just please forgive us for not understanding the pain that you were in, making you feel like somebody was, had to have been at fault. Something so 
wrong happened and who, so who's to blame, but instead looking at hearts that needed to be healed and need to be healed. And today, today, somebody's flame, you've been going through the motions, you've just been going through life, but it feels more like a pill to swallow than it does a life of expectancy or there could be something better for you or maybe even another relationship for you. Today, Jesus wants to come and heal. Heal the past, heal the pain. Heal the words that were spoken by will, meaning people who thought they were speaking on behalf of God, but they weren't. And today, God's speaking to you, saying, let me remove, let me remove the mark on your life. Let me remove the pain that you've been carrying. Let me bring hope for your tomorrow, even though yesterday looks like such a setback and detour. Lord, right now I pray healing into hearts that have known divorce, that have known the failed marriages. And there's a pain there that's never been touched and never been healed, never been acknowledged. Today it's being acknowledged. And let today be the day the candle gets lit, that tomorrow is better and the day after that, and next year. For someone in the room, as we come into this Christmas season, the loss of a loved one can change everything, of course. The Bible says we grieve, and no one, unless you've been through it, knows the grieving pain of losing someone that you love. But the Bible says we don't grieve as the world does without hope. Grief takes many forms, and I don't know that the heart, that the place that that person occupied ever gets filled because there isn't another person like them, and I don't think it's supposed to get filled. But it's not supposed to rob you of the hope of your life here today. You're still here today, and God has so much for you. Father, I pray specifically for those coming into this season with the pain in their heart of a lost loved one. And not that they would forget them, that's never supposed to happen, or stop grieving, but there would be a gear shift in their life right now. We do not grieve as the world does without hope, but we grieve with hope. And right now, that hope for your life that something is starting to change. That the, the meaning of your life, the direction of your life, the trajectory of your life is not contingent upon uh, the loss of someone that you held to and hold to so dearly. You still get to do that. But you get to move on. You get to take steps into a preferred future in God that today you are on trajectory of a pathway of hope full of expectancy and meaning. And that's a miracle that takes place right now as that candle's being lit in someone's heart. The candle of hope. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I just... Just pause for a moment or two more. There's, some, there's just people standing. There's people online. Something's taking place. Some that didn't even, even, you've never connected the thoughts and the feelings that I'm outlining today that Joseph must have had. The setbacks. You've never grieved at the setback that you had. But change the trajectory of your life in another day. You never grieved it. That's why I understand now why the Lord put those two thoughts in my mind. Because when we have a setback, when we, when we have a life-changing moment, it creates the death of a dream. It creates some of these things that we're talking about this morning, which is what we focus on and causes our hope to be extinguished. We've not taught, we've not been taught how to grieve the loss of setback. I'm not talking now the loss of a physical life. I'm talking about things that have taken place in our life that change the trajectory. And what we had ex expectation for and what we were building hope for on our day 25 of our advent calendar, did, we didn't get there. 
And it's okay to stop and recognize the pain of that and then grieve it and go, I give this to God who knows that he has something better for my life. And then we switch hope. We switch the hope of what we were hoping for to hoping in the one who holds our rose de who holds our compass. And that's what's happening right now in the, these moments. People are switching. People are changing their hope from what they thought. We can grieve that, acknowledge the pain of it, and now say, now, Jesus, I give to you my tomorrow, knowing no matter where I am on my 90-day journey, I'm going to reach the birthing place of promise. All across this room and online, in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, just before we go today, we never conclude a service, at least we try not to, acknowledging that someone might be in the room or online and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. You've never made the decision to be born again, to ask Jesus to come in your life and to forgive you of your sin and begin the journey of the living hope. And that's what Peter said. Praise be to God. In great mercy, he has given us new birth. The greatest gift ever, Jesus coming and then going to a cross, Christmas and Easter. But each one of us has the personal responsibility to, to accept it for ourselves. If you're here today and you've never done that, would you just slip your hand up right where you are and say, I wanna receive that today. If that's you, if online text in, I'm receiving Jesus today. If you're in the room, can you just lift your hand so I can see it? Is there anyone? I don't wanna miss anyone. I don't think I see a hand today, but let's pray in case there's someone online. Uh, let's pray all, of, all together. We do this each week. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you have a plan for me. Come in my life today. Forgive my sin. I begin my new birth today, right now, in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that in the room or online, we believe you're born again. Harvest. Go with the hope of Advent today. Let's, uh, let's have an amazing week and come back next week and we'll, we'll do it again. Bless you, you're dismissed to go.